Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today, we're taking the time to introduce to you some of the world, campus, and local ministries we support here at Bethany Community Church. If you feel that God is leading you to help support any of these ministries, we encourage you to download the BCC mobile app and pledge to fund the Go 2019 missions campaign. And now, here's Mission Sunday. So, so the first thing we're going to be talking about today is world missions. Now, world missions is something that I've grown up in the Assemblies of God, and like every single week we heard about Buddy Barrels, we heard about BGMC. Like missionaries were a big deal. They were like the heroes. I remember we had missionary trading cards. Like, that's a real thing. I still wish, I wish I could find them. But, but I remember, like, that was kind of how it's presented to me. Like, these people are heroes. And I really think that that's really true. Like, if you give your life up to go and serve people all around the world, um, you're a hero. You're an amazing person. A lot of us will barely give up, like, yeah, let's give these people. <laughs> really are heroes. And so I can't imagine something else that I would rather give my money to than supporting heroes being part of something awesome. So one of our heroes is an amazing person by the name of Aunt Sandy. And they're doing an incredible work in the Philippines. I've had an opportunity to go out there, actually. It's even more amazing in person. But she's got an awesome message for you guys, and she's going to share it now. Hi, I'm Sandy Blatchley, Daryl and Sandy Blatchley missionaries in the Philippines, your missionaries. You have partnered with us, Bethany, for many, many years. And we are able to minister to Muslims, to children, to prisoners, to all kinds of people because of your partnership with us. And what God is doing is really, really exciting. And whatever we do for God, because you are our partners, it is counted to to you also. So we want to thank you, a big thank you, for all you've done for us. And we need your partnership. We need your prayer support. We need your support in every way possible. God has done an exciting thing. Bethany, the little girl that has your name, that I talked to you about two years ago, that when she was born, the birthing clinic called me and wanted me to go because the grandmother was trying to kill the baby and kill the mother because she was mad. The mother was 16 and the grandmother was only 32. Well, two years ago, Bethany came back to church and just two weeks ago, God allowed us to become her legal guardians. And the change in her, just, I have never seen her smile before. But Jesus is the life changer. Thank you for being a part of that. Last thing, I hope I get to see you this summer. God bless. That is one of our favorite missionaries. She's an amazing lady. Um, They kind of uh, briefly went through it, but they run a thing called Family Circus. They're feeding thousands of kids per week in a primarily Muslim area of um, the Philippines. And um, they're just like, they're crazy people. (laughs) Like, when you you meet them, you're just like, you're called to this, because this is just, I couldn't do it. And so that's one of our amazing missionaries. You can look through 
Um, we have several other people and um, causes that we're supporting. And one of them is an awesome cause called One Hope. This is a list, by the way, if you want to see. One Hope is a really, really incredible. It's big. They do a lot of stuff. And so we're kind of partnering with them, investing in a really awesome project. And we want to show you a little bit about what we want to be doing with these guys this year. And we got a special message really from the president of One Hope. For more than 30 years, we've been traveling across the globe, trekking to remote villages, bustling cities, communities near and far, delivering hope and freedom through God's Word. Through local churches around the world, One Hope has reached more than 1.5 billion children and youth with a gospel message. We equip others to effectively minister to young people in their communities. From the printed word to digital platforms, One Hope shares scripture programs in a relevant way to engage the next generation with truth from God's word. Every child should know that they have a purpose and are loved by their creator. Together, we can continue to go the distance and share the good news with the next generation. Hey, Pastor Phil, Sherry, and the BCC family. We are so excited about the partnership between One Hope and BCC and wanted to share this powerful story of transformation. When the king died, his son was not around, so my father became king of our village. Then one day, the old king's son returned and wanted to claim the throne. This brought division in the village. The two kings were always arguing and we had no peace in our village. In my family, we used to worship idols. We held rituals and made sacrifices to the idols. We were always having issues with each other. My family, was divided. I felt like I was living without purpose. Then one day, a pastor came to show us the Godman film and the entire village came to watch. When we finished watching the film, they asked those who wanted to accept Jesus to come forward. Then I realized it's because of my sin that Jesus came to die. So that night, I accepted Jesus Christ. When I went home, I told my parents the good news and we repented. Then on Sunday, we went to church together and my father brought his idols. They prayed for him and burned the idols. My father had a change of heart, and he went to the other king. He told him that he was giving up the throne. He gave up his kingship so that there will be peace in the village. Now that my father is no longer a king, he is just an ordinary person. And because Jesus left his throne, came down to earth, suffered and died for our sins, he thought that he too should leave everything the throne and the idols and turn to Jesus. 
he left it all behind so that one day you will see Jesus. Now my father and the new king are at peace. And with the church here, the village has changed. The entire village attends church, and that's why we are now peaceful. We don't value fighting and the power of the dawn like we used to. And now, my entire family has given their lives to Christ. POCO received God's word through the Lumiere Project, an audacious initiative planting churches in 10 nations across French-speaking Africa. Many children and youth in this region have never heard the gospel before. Now, through the work of the church, we get to be a part of engaging them with God's word for the very first time. Our partners have mapped out a plan to use the God-Man film and God's big story to plant more than 3,000 churches, introducing children to Jesus and discipling them as they grow. Since 2016, 1,632 churches have been planted, reaching over 1.8 million children with the gospel. Your gift will bring the hope of the gospel to 9,000 more children and youth just like Poco. I'm so excited about the opportunity to partner with you in this initiative and continue to pray for the incredible things your church is doing for the kingdom. So awesome. What, what they do is really incredible because they go further than just um, translating the Bible. They really think about communication, right? So they've, they have all kinds of things that they do, but one of the things we're partnering with is a Lumiere film. It, and it's basically visual communication for people who maybe don't have the same language that they're using to get the gospel into these French-speaking um, countries in Africa. And so it's such a cool thing that we get to partner with, and, and it's really exciting. So if you have a heart for people who maybe never heard the gospel, we really want to encourage you, think about giving. Think about investing in this fund and investing in missions like um, One Hope or Sandy Blatchley. We have a whole list of missionaries. I couldn't, um, I couldn't, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the International Justice Ministry, which really deals with fighting human trafficking um, and a lot of the fronts where it needs to be fought, which is in the legal front for people all around the country with no, or around the world who have no voice. We all know it's such a serious problem. Um, and we want to have a heart for those things. We want to have a heart not just for people who don't know God because they don't know God, but because God loves them and they're suffering and they need help, right? So, yeah, I'm excited about this next group of people because not only do I believe in what they're doing, but I believe in who they are as people. Um, and so camp campus missions is a big deal to us at our church. We know one of the number one battlefronts for the hearts and minds of the next generation is the college campus, right? And we're dealing with so much adversity, but it's not hopeless. God is moving. He's doing amazing things on campuses. And so I want to introduce some awesome friends of mine who are doing something in our local campus, at the Dean campus. Um, and he, so I think it's, is all you guys coming up? All you guys are coming up. We want to grab one more stool. All right, so we have 
Erin, she's going to come up, and she was here last year, and she's a missionary for InterVarsity. Good morning. It's an honor to be with you this morning, and it's really fun to be able to bring two other women up on stage with me. Um, so InterVarsity is a national campus ministry. Our heart, exactly as Jay said, is that, that we find the college campus to be a really strategic place of missions. So global missions are incredibly important. Uh, what we find in the campus is that the globe is coming to our backyard. So at Dean College, at Bridgewater State University, at UMass Dartmouth, at Wheaton College, everywhere in the South Shore uh, corridor of Massachusetts, there's 50,000 college students in our own backyard, many of whom are local Americans and many are international students coming to study for four years, five years. What if every corner of every campus had the opportunity to live in a Christ-centered community, to be one friend away from Jesus, to be around people who are led by the Spirit, who live very different lives on campus. That's our vision and our hope, is that every corner of every campus would have an opportunity to be near to Jesus. Uh, so in this little corner of the world, I direct ministry in Southeast Mass for InterVarsity. I came here as a college student from Vienna, Austria, and so when I came, I went to Wheaton College in Norton. I experienced God on campus with my friends. I saw God do powerful things with people who would consider themselves cynics, who were not interested in God at all, who through friendship, authenticity, life, connection, we learned the ways of Jesus together. And that launched people, my friends from Wheaton, into the world to be world changers to be people who carried Christ with them in their industry, whether that was business or justice or education or tech. Uh, so with that vision in mind, uh, I've been building together a team in Southeast Mass. Michelle is one of my staff, and Michelle came uh, through Bryant University, not too far from here, actually, in Rhode Island, uh, where my husband was on staff. And through Michelle came Sela, who's a student at Dean College right here in Franklin, Mass. Yeah, give it up for Sela, who's here today. So Dean has been on our radar as this very, uh, oh, Dean, this very interesting little place. It's a performing arts school. It's a liberal arts campus. It's small. It's quirky. There's really been no ministry presence to our estimation for a very, very long time. And anything that started at Dean has sort of fizzled out. So we've been praying for the campus. Jay and I would go. We would pray. We have tried to gather students um, to not much avail. And then Last time I was here, I was pregnant with my son, Cedar, and he's here in the nursery, so he was born in September, and I took a maternity leave. And on that maternity leave, I asked Michelle very casually, so Michelle's ministering at UMass Dartmouth already, and I was like, can you keep an eye on Dean? Can you just visit during the first couple weeks of the semester and see what God's up to there? And really for her, I, I wasn't expecting her to plant this campus or anything, but just to, just to keep some kind of presence while I was away on leave. So, Michelle, you can take it from there as to what happened. Yeah, so I got an email from Erin saying, hey, could you go to the Dean Involvement Fair? So I'm driving to Dean. I had never been there before in my life. <laughs> and I was just praying. I was like, Lord, like, I don't even know where to park. I don't know where their campus center is. Um, but I show up, and the scripture that keeps coming up for us at Dean is Jesus feeding the 5,000. 
And I feel like it was one of those moments of, Lord, okay, here are my, my loaves and my fishes. I had this really quirky poster. And that's when I met Selah. And she was like, oh, I've been looking for something like this. I want to start a community group. And she'll share some of her story. But since then, there's been a group gathering once a week, um, reading scripture together, learning about Jesus. And there's even been students who claim to not be religious who are just checking it out. But they're learning about Jesus and they're encountering God. And it's just really cool to see God opening doors at Dean. So pass it over to Selah. <laughs> so hi guys, I'm Selah. Um, I'm a freshman at Dean. And I'm from South Carolina, so that's basically the buckle of the Bible Belt, if you guys know anything about the South. And I came up to Dean um, through well-thought consideration and prayer. And I was like, God, I know you want me here. I don't know why, but I came to campus, and there was nothing. There was no ministry, no Christian friends. And I had the gospel mentality, but... Well, that's great, I couldn't do it alone. So yeah, I met Michelle, um, and it was really just a miracle that God had planned <laughs> for so long. Um, she's mentored me for the past year, and sorry, I'm nervous. <laughs> um, but yeah, InterVarsity has gotten started. It's finally a Christian community, um, not just for Christians, but for everyone to come and learn who Jesus is. And we can just do life together. We can look at scripture. We can go get cupcakes together, watch <laughs> movies together. And when you have that support, when you have that community, it changes everything. So like, if Michelle had never come, if you had never asked, you know, like, thank you for your obedience, because God's really doing something through that. And um, I believe if we just like, continue to give, continue to pray, then he's going to just, like, yeah. do abundantly more. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, for those that don't know, uh, here you go, Michelle. Michelle actually, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Selah goes to our young adult group here at this church on Sunday nights at the Pfeffers. Uh, often here on Sundays when she's able to come because she's got a crazy school schedule. <laughs> but um, she's one of ours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, yeah. you know, so we so just continue to pray for Selah. She's she's um, she's doing it. She's living it out. And so, kind of, anybody can answer this. Why? Kind of describe the what it's like to be a student in an American campus nowadays, and especially a Christian student. Um, and really, what are, what are they up against? What are you guys up against? Go for it, Isla. <laughs> um, I think everyone at Dean in particular, just because I'm there, yeah. Um, they're really looking for success and purpose, but they're not looking for it in Jesus. Um, they want, you know, whatever they want. They want this business major. They want this dance major. And they want to go places, but they're doing it by themselves. And I think... At the end of the day, that just leads to burnout. Um, yeah, like, when I'm trying to witness to someone, it's not necessarily like, you need Jesus, you need the Bible. Like, right now, sometimes it's just showing people the love that they have never experienced before. Yeah. You've been working a long time in this. Like, what is, 
what's the average experience for maybe a person who doesn't know God and like is walking to this campus and it's all these ideas presented to them and then tell them about the opportunity to really give them the gospel in the middle of that. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think most students, and, and I don't know if for y'all in the room, if you can imagine, think back or think forward to when you were 18, 19, um, your life is spread out before you. It's a time of possibility. I would say it's liminal space, meaning it's the in-between. It's a crossroads for people where they're open to ideas about who they will become, what they will believe in, what they will fight for, what they will live and die for in their life. Sounds dramatic, but that is this young adult time. They are sponges. So when you go to campus, of course, freshman year, it's your initial, you're assimilating, you're trying to fit in, you're not totally sure who you are, but through those years, identity formation is happening. Um, so for us as university, we are there where your first hello at the new student outreach the first couple weeks we're starting up bible studies and communities in every corner so an athletes group or a ballet group or a greek like sorority and fraternity group um, through students so i think for us it's a conviction that we don't come in here with our strategies and plans but that students are the missionaries on campus students who love jesus but helping them believe that that the campus is not a threat to their faith that God has sent them there. It's an opportunity. Yes, that is, a, that is an important shift that needs to happen. And honestly, sometimes we don't do a great job as churches when we send our students off and we send them in an attitude of fear instead of an attitude of abundance and equipping and community. So I love this partnership with you guys at Bethany because we're able to say to Selah, here's community and support and discipleship and you can go and you don't need to hide from your campus. Yeah, and if I could just like piggyback on that. Um, I think, yeah, going into Dean in September, I went with this burden of I have to transform people <laughs> rather than the healthy burden that you guys have been teaching me just about like Jesus is gonna transform people. He's gonna use me to transform people, but like having, you know, having not to do it alone is, is crucial. So, to close out, why is it so important, and I'll ask this to Michelle and anybody who wants to jump in, but why is it so important for people who are, you know, um, we'll say post-college <laughs> to um, really, really um, have a burden for, to give, and to pray for and partner with people who are doing college admissions? Yeah, so these students are going to graduate and they're going to go off into so many different parts of the world. They're going to be your future leaders, teachers, whatever it is. Um, so this is your opportunity to partner, not just with us, but with God, really, and what he's already doing at Dean College and what he's already doing at schools that don't even have Christian community that we know of yet. Um, so it's an opportunity to partner with what, what God's doing. Um, yeah, and there's just so many ways of coming alongside and doing that. And we've seen answers to prayer literally in the past couple weeks of we were praying, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Lord, send more workers. And like the day after, he sent another student to Dean who's in love with Jesus and wants to see God move on campus. So don't underestimate the power of prayer um, because God is moving. So. I would just add to that, amen, that... The beauty of local missions and knowing us and seeing us face-to-face -face is we're 20 minutes away, which 
I know you all are so busy and engaged in your life, but if there's ever a time you want to tithe some time to come and prayer walk the campus with us, come visit a Bible study, bring cookies or brownies, uh, certainly sign up as intercessors or financial partners. Like there's actually on the ground experiences we can have together that partner. And I think for college students, I always joke meeting babies and older people are really healthy and essential for college students. They're in their own little age group bubble. And so connecting intergenerationally is so important. So, And, yeah. and that's our heart at this church. We're intergenerational church. And I think that's a good thing to get in your head is like college ministry is not just for college students. College ministry is for anyone who wants to see the next generation changed and to see people know Jesus. And that's why we do it here at Bethany. So thank you guys so much. We love you guys. We believe in you guys. Yeah, come talk to us. They got a booth out there. Swing by. Say hi. Um, we also support a couple other college, um, really pretty much all of them, <laughs> InterVarsity, I believe Chi Alpha, Navigators, um, and it's a big deal. We kind of miss accidentally just put Navigators under World Missions. For those that don't know, Navigators is a Hey, and I'm awesome campus ministry. And we actually have a Navigators missionary in our church who attends. Um, but we love college missions. It's a really, really big deal. So um, now we want to talk about our neck of the woods, even though Dean is our neck of the woods too. But, but what do we do out of this church? And I think there's an important shift that we want to make as pastors. And we want you, when we look at C&E, we're like, um, we help people. We're like a social agency. Oh, it's a really cool thrift store, right? That's not how we see it. When we talk about it, when we talk about our, our giving and what we do, we, call, we talk about it like missions. This is missionary work. CNE is a missions organization. It is existing to bring people into the kingdom of God um, through that. So I want to introduce um, some other folks um, Sorry. Yeah. So you're going to come up too, Pastor? And then Pastor Sherry's also going to come up. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Pastor Sherry, come on up. And then we got some other stuff that we're going to... We got a special surprise for you guys right now. Yeah. Yes. Well, the Bible says that we're to go into all the world, preach the gospel. And then Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8 to... We would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, this morning we started talking about the uttermost parts of the earth, the Philippines, Africa. Then we got closer. We came in a little closer. We talked about our campuses around the United States as well as our own Dean College. Now we're going to bring it home to Jerusalem. And as Jason made the point, we do not just see Compassion New England as a social agency, though it is that. It is very much that. You know what I see it as? I see it as what we call, what I call, and I've heard before, common space, a space where we can meet that person who doesn't know Christ, who's far from God, who doesn't have the gospel, who might not be ready to come to church, might not be ready to come and hear a sermon, but they are, they need help. They need financial help. They need, they need, they need food, clothes, counseling, or maybe they just want to go buy something for a decent price, so they go shop. And there we, they meet the body of Christ. And they meet God's people. And these guys, I'm telling you, every one of them, Sherry and the rest of her team, they're missionaries. Very much missionaries. Very much evangelists. 
not only in ministering to the people that are, that are uh, citizens, longtime citizens of Menden and Milford and the surrounding areas, but also the immigrants who've come into our community. So I'm very, very excited. I'm so proud of them. And uh, I, love, I love this ministry. I love my wife, and she is an incredible leader. So I'm going to turn it over to her to right now and let her tell you more about Compassion New England and, and give you that big surprise that we got in store. Good morning. I'm so honored to be a leader of an organization that does not think small, but thinks big. And we are um, really just obeying the word of the Lord as partners with Jesus in our local need, local aid ministry. You know, the Bible is very, very clear about this idea of being present for people in need. And if you read Proverbs, you can have the nice scriptures or the scriptures. I'm going to give you a couple today. Proverbs 22.9, this is the nice one. It says, he who is generous will be blessed. For he gives some of his food to the poor. But if you don't get with that one, then you can have Proverbs 28, 27, which says, He who gives to the poor will never want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. I don't know which one you want, but I'm going to go with the first. And you know, I think this idea of giving is something that um, needs to be defined for us. Am I a giver? Well, you are a giver if you are donating your stuff to the Blessing Barn. You, you are. Um, thank you so much for that. Um, you're a giver if you are engaged in just paying tithes and you're giving back to God what is already His. But let me tell you something. There is something about the heart of a person who cannot wait to give that is going to set you free to receive the blessing of the Lord. And today we are asking for you to begin to examine if you want to go to the next level of exciting life. I have always lived an exciting life. If you've been around me, something new is happening all the time. I cannot wait to be a person who gives. I really can't. I'm always thinking, oh, how can I, how can I give? And, and I want to be that in my own personal finances, and I want to be that as a leader, and I want the culture of this church to be a culture of giving. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, Compassion New England. Compassion New England, you guys know the story. We uh, existed um, in a variety of forms, and we have grown, just like any healthy organization grows. Um, we do a variety of things. The first thing we do is we have a crisis center in downtown Milford. We have a sustainable source of income through our Blessing Barn thrift stores. We are able to partner with our community to bring products in. We stage it in a beautiful way. If you've never been to the Blessing Barn thrift stores, you need to go and support that. And then people come in and our community comes in and we offer them two things there. 
Number one, we offer a gathering place, a place where we can be present six days a week to meet needs and listen to stories. Five days a week, we're at the Crisis Center in downtown Milford to be present to listen to stories and meet needs. And then the Lord has allowed us to do this awesome thing and partner with our community and our church to serve the special needs community where our families in our community that have these amazing, precious thing, children that come into their life and this new thing in their life where they're having to learn to live life different than they did before, we get to partner with them to celebrate their kids. And then those students that um, are beginning to need a different kind of a vocational program also can take part in the Happy Place Vocational Program. And uh, currently, we have students at the apparel store running the register there. It's awesome. It's incredible. Compassion New England is busy. And if you haven't been a part of it, we want to give you an opportunity outside. You're going to see something called, uh, it's a big poster that says, Want to Help. And there's a little card that says, Join the I Want to Help CNE movement. And you will find ways that you can help there. But this morning, I want to encourage you, really, to become people who develop an excitement about giving. Just really seeing this is like, wow, something new is happening in my life. I get to give. Because when you share some of your food or your resources or something like that, joy begins to erupt in your heart. I wonder if my friend Donald Trench will come for just a moment. Donald, you didn't know, but I wanted you to come because this is my friend Donald Trench. And every once in a while, Donald Trench will come to me and he'll go, can I tell you something? I got all the people at my work to give, right? Every year. Every year. What do you do? I, I haven't collect money. Does it make you excited when you bring it to us? Yeah, it does. Why? Because it's what we're supposed to do. It's what God put us on earth to do. And you know, Donald, just he's so excited about doing that. And I don't know if you guys know that Donald rides a bike. He gets everywhere. He, you know, when I first met him, he was riding his bike to church. He's riding his bike everywhere. He works. He's very faithful. He is such a giver and the most excited giver you've ever seen. But guess what, Donald? Today, we want to give to you. Today, we're going to give to you something so exciting. I'm looking for, oh, Donald. <laughs> Now, I want to make it clear. <laughs> I want you to know, Donald, the people who love you that are in your life, they realized you had a need, right? right. What was wrong with your bike? Just falling apart. And a falling apart bike doesn't work very well, does it? No, and the shift wasn't working right. 
So some of the people who love Donald found out about that, and many people in this church partnered together to make sure you know that you're loved. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not as excited about this as you were when you came to me and said, oh, I can't wait to give you this. And one time you said to me, I have this little extra from, from what I made, and I'm going to give the whole thing, right? right. Remember that? Right. right. And he could not wait. Thank you, Donald. We're going to leave that there, and you're going to get to take it home with you. We love you. I just don't only, only work at work. I, I tell people when they come into the hotel, I talk to the guests and find out what they're about. And if they're Christian or not, I tell them all about what's happening at Bethany. I always tell people at work what's happening. And people go, that's all Donald ever talks about at work is his, hotel, is, his, is his church. And this is what I'm proud of. Very proud of what everybody's doing at Bethany. Thank you, Donald. I want to talk just a moment about this. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. And I want you to think about this. I'm going to close with my time with this. You know, when I say to my kids, I love you, guys, I love you. And I'm a mom saying that to my kids. When God says, I love a cheerful giver, he's a dad saying that to his kids. Now, you don't say, I love you giving to your kids because you need your kids to give to you. My kids have really hardly ever given me something that was so awesome. I mean, now that they're adults, but I'm talking about, you know, the letters that Elise would write me or... You know, I found something the other day that Christy had done for me when she was a little girl. And really not so great. I made my dad a goombly monster when he was a... And he, you know, they it survived their fire. You know, my family always had that horrible thing sitting around. Why? Why were my parents or why was I excited when my kids gave to me? I'm going to tell you why. Because it was good for them. Because it's good for them. Giving is good for you, and God is excited when you give. And I'm going to tell you something else. Nothing bad's going to happen to you if you purpose to be givers. Now, how do you become a giver? You go look at your finances, and you make a number that will work for your finances. Don't promise something you can't do. Secondly, figure out what you need to give up to be a giver. Because it should cost you something to give. And the last thing I want to tell you something, get ready for something great to happen in your life. Follow me around. I'm proof of it. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, everybody who's uh, shared today. I, I know just from a standpoint of of uh, feeling blessed. I feel blessed for what everyone has shared, never mind uh, what this service really means to them. Um, I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and pass out this Go 2019. I'm calling it a faith promise card because that's what this is. It is a faith promise. 
It is saying, as God provides, this is what I will do for GO 2019 missions. Let me talk to you a little bit about this. I want to first of all tell you how God made his heart for missions very, very real to me. Back in, we came to this church in uh, January of 1988, and uh, there were seven people at the church in Milford. And there were, was, uh, was, there not only was no money, there was a $60,000 debt that the church could not even start to pay. And so I went and got a job with a condominium developer called a green company and uh, headquartered in Yarmouth, Massachusetts and Newton, Massachusetts. And our, my site was in, uh, in Wayland, Massachusetts. And so I went and worked for uh, uh, several months as an office manager in charge of service and repair for the condominium development. God really blessed me in that job. But at 13 months, I remember one day Sherry and I were sitting around, we were talking, and it just kind of, if you're a Christ follower, you've been a Christ follower for a long time, you know how this works. You know how you feel like your life is guided. And so we're sitting around, we're having one of those conversations one day that looking back, it was a guided conversation because almost simultaneously we said, if the church is going to grow, we had about 40 people by now. It's uh, late 18, 1989, maybe even early 1990. If the church is going to grow, you've got to quit your job. I've got to quit my job. Now, the problem was there's a $60,000 debt, and another problem was there was still very little money. There was not the money to pay me a salary at all, but we knew that day, we're sitting over in our apartment in Millis, we knew that God was telling us to quit my job. And we were just dumb enough to believe that when you, when you do what God tells you to do, everything's going to be okay. And, and Sherry's been a tremendous help me, to me in that area. That if anything, I'm the one who's pulling back and not and afraid to try things. She is fearless. And she's always been fearless to follow me into whatever we felt God wanted us to do. So, uh, but before, you know, we, we decided to quit. The, we made two decisions. Quit the job and start giving to missions. And that's smart, isn't it? Quit your job and then have the church make its priority to start giving to missions. That month, I quit my job. And for the first time, Bethany Community Church started giving to world missions. Didn't work out, did it? I haven't missed a paycheck in 32 years from this church. We have not been, we have not been late. As far as I know, now maybe, Christina, you'll correct me, but as far as I know, we've not been late on a single payment for 32 years. And now, today we own five properties, and all, you know that story, but we won't get into that. Let me tell you what happened immediately. I believe it was the month of February, for some reason, it sticks out to me. The finances of that little group tripled the month that I quit my job and we started giving to missions. You were supposed to clap. <laughs> I'm telling you, missions is at the heart of God. Now, what is missions? What does it mean? What does missions mean? Now, we're, we're, we're preaching the gospel here, too. But what is missions, uh, let me define it this way. It's taking the gospel beyond the reach of the local church. B beyond the immediate reach. I don't mean it's, yeah, we can reach it, but it's a, 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 the immediate 
environment. Let me say it that way. It's beyond the immediate environment of the local church. It's taking the gospel where it will not be resourced. Paul argued for and affirmed, and he affirmed the supporting of the gospel beyond the local church. Notice what he says in Philippians 4. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Not even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help once more than once. I didn't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward. It's what Sherry was talking about. I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At that moment, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. What are these gifts? These are missions gifts. These are missions offerings that the Philippian church, which, by the way, was a poor church. If you, if you go back to Corinthians, Paul shames the Corinthians because they were an affluent church. And then the Philippian church was giving more to missions than the Corinthian church. They are, but here's what he goes on to say about your gift. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. How many of you want to give God today a sweet-smelling sacrifice that will be pleasing to Him? Amen? Also, Jesus affirmed this. Jesus affirmed giving to support ministry outside of our own realm of influence. Jesus chose a life where he and his full-time followers, and many people don't ever talk about this. I don't know if I've ever heard it talked about in church. That Jesus chose a life where he and his full-time followers were dependent on the contributions of those who supported his mission. Remember he told his disciples, stop fishing. Come depend on how did they, how did they eat? How did they live? Well, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announces the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his disciples with him, along with some women he had healed, and from whom he had cast out evil spirits. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. I bet some of you didn't even know that verse was in the Bible. I bet some of you didn't even know that was in the Gospels. But now you do. So, what is the Gospel and what is missions? There are three words that describe missions. Good news, which is what the word Gospel means. It's not, it's not just good teaching, which the Gospel is good teaching, by the way. But it's not just good teaching. It's not just good information. It's not just good instructions, it's good news. How many of you like good news? I like good news, man. I like to hear good news from my family. I, I, I love it when I go home or Sherry comes home, if I'm there first, and she walks in the door and says, I got some good news. I love that, man. I love it when I hear good news from my church members. I love it when I hear good news from, I love it when a politician stands up and says, I've got good news. Good news is what we have, is that Jesus Christ has come to save the world. Amen? Amen? So good news is two words. Let me give you one more. The other word is go. Go means the movement of the good news to the places where it's otherwise not being heard. So 
Shana and her team, go with the good news at the crisis center every day. By the way, the crisis center has moved over to the forum building now, and we're so happy about that. We're so excited about that. We know it's the right move. Shane and her team, they go at the crisis center. Joanne Sutton, when she, when she leads those abortion recovery groups that happen very often, she's going with the good news. Sherry and Christy and Marilyn and Emma and the rest of the team at the Blessing Barn at the shop at Minden, they are going with the gospel six days a week. We're bigger on Monday than we are on Sunday around here. Daryl and Sandy Blatchley go when they care for 7,000 plus kids a week, giving them food, medical care, and most importantly, the news that Jesus saves. Rob Hoskins and One Hope. By the way, wasn't that a great video? I've, I've known those guys for years, and they are so reputable and so good at what they do. You can, you can really trust One Hope. And, um, and I could say a lot more about them because we know the Hoskins family and, and all of that. But they, they, they are going when they take, they take literature and, and films and the gospel to tens of thousands of youth all over the continent of Asia and Africa. International justice missions that I love so much. And I, I got to meet Gary Hoke uh, a year before last. And what a great guy. And they are, they are doing it, man. They are, they are going and delivering humanity trapped in human trafficking and victimized by violence simply because they're poor. You don't realize it, but people are victimized by violence just because they're poor. We can go and dig a well, and that happens all over Africa. You go and dig a well so that people have water, but the women get raped on the way to go get water so they can't go or, or, or they get mugged. So they can't go to the water. So Gary Hulk and International Justice Ministry, they go in and they deal with local law enforcement and they get local law enforcement to start creating justice for the poor. That is one of the major uh, emphasis of the gospel is to create justice for the poor. And a, a holy, God-centered, gospel-centered justice movement is one of the most amazing things that is happening around the world through the body of Christ. I'm really excited about it. InterVarsity and our own Assemblies of God program, which I am on the board of directors for the Southern New England Chi Alpha Ministry of the Assemblies of God. And I'm going to be telling you more later about some things that Chi Alpha is doing all across New England. And I had the opportunity of the other day to meet with 125 leaders from all campus leaders from all over the United States in Boston. We took them on a tour of university campuses. They were absolutely like, oh, they'd never been in a place with so many colleges and universities within blocks of one another. They couldn't believe it because these are people from Washington and Texas and all over the country. They are doing it, man. They're taking the initiative of setting up communities, and I love the way they presented that today, setting up groups and initiative to, to the uh, six or seven million college students across the United States. And I think Aaron said we have 50,000 or so right here in our area. I love this story in the Bible. Maybe you heard this story about Apostle Paul when he, was, uh, had, when he had, had his life changed and he became a Christian. And uh, some of his former com comrades weren't all that excited. And so there was an, a plot to assassinate him. And some people who were friends of Paul got word that there was been this plot to assassinate Paul. 
in Jerusalem. So they needed to get him out of town. Now think about it. Think about what Paul, Apostle Paul, we just did a series on him. Think about what he means to the gospel. Think about what Paul means to the gospel going to the world. I don't know how the gospel would have gotten to the world if it wasn't for Apostle Paul. I'm sure God would have found another way, but I'm not sure. But there were some friends of Paul who took and they went and found a basket. I'm sure that basket didn't cost too much. They went and found some ropes. Maybe they, maybe they spent 50 bucks or $25 on the basket and some ropes. And they said, Paul, get in the basket. Paul gets in the basket. And they let him down over the wall out of Jerusalem. He escaped. and His life was saved. And he was able to go on three incredible missionary journeys. Think of how, think of how, um, like, uh, lo- how, how short the Bible would be. If uh, the New Testament, if you didn't have Paul, it'd be like you, you, read, you read the Gospels in the book of Acts and James and Peter and Jude and that's it. Think about it. But because they held the ropes and they let him down in a basket, that's what I'm asking you today. I'm asking every one of you to hold the ropes for the people that are going to go down the wall and take the gospel to the world. I'm asking you to hold the rope. For some of you, $25 a month would be a big step, but I want you to take that step today. For some of you, you can give $50 a month. Some of you give $100 a month. I checked the other day, and I, and I, I think I'm right. What I, best I could tell, the biggest missions givers in our church are two senior citizens on a fixed income. We can do better. We can do better <laughs> than having our number one missions giver to elderly people on a fixed income. Now, God bless them. I want them to keep giving, but we can do better. We can hold the ropes. Maybe it's $25, $50, 100 Somebody can give 500 and know somebody may just go crazy and give 1000 a month. I don't know. But I'm, I want everyone to participate. See, it's not equal gifts. It's equal sacrifice. I said it's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. I want everybody to participate. I want everyone. I really mean that. I want everyone to participate. And say, I'm going to take this card. I'm going to bow my head and pray. And I'm going to ask God to tell me what to do. And I'm going to do what he tells me to do. That's really all I want is you to do what God tells you to do. That's, that's that's, That's all I have a right to ask for. I don't have a right to tell you what to do. I'm just a man. I'm just a person. I'm just flesh and blood like you. I want to direct you to God and let him tell you what you should do for Go 2019. Thank you. You're wonderful.